If you would open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, we continue our study on the Ten Commandments. And let me remind you as you get there, if you don't have a Bible, the, uh, the commandment uh, is in your worship uh, folder as well in the sermon guide. But let me remind you that Jesus' summary of the Ten Commandments is pretty simple. It's love God and love others. And so as we work through the Ten Commandments, that needs to be kept over all of this, that this is about loving God and loving others. That's the purpose behind the Ten Commandments. This morning, we're going to be on the Fifth Commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In your sermon guide, you'll see I listed a bunch of scriptures. I'm going to be making reference to those, and I put them in there so that you can quickly refer to them. There's the parallel one in Deuteronomy 5, and then New Testament passages that we're going to unpack. But to start things off, let me ask if you've ever had this experience. You're in the grocery store, uh, or you're in Walmart or Target, and you're watching a parent and child interact. And as they interact, you're not sure who the functional parent is and who the functional child is. Uh, And usually what happens in that scenario is that there is a massive amount of chaos going on, so much so that just about every head in the department store or the grocery store is turned. And it might cause you to think, or at least this morning to think, what exactly does the fifth commandment mean? What is God calling for in the fifth commandment? Why does God call for honor within the family? Now, we're going to unpack three questions to answer that one. And that is, what is honor? Who and how are you to honor? And then what is the result of honor? So let's start with the first question. What is honor? It's interesting, if you look at that word in the Old Testament here in Exodus 20, and then when it shows up in the New Testament, when Jesus refers to the fifth commandment and repeats it, what those words mean in the Hebrew and Greek. Once in a while, I'll make reference to Hebrew and Greek. All that I'm saying there is that the Old Testament was written in its original language that it was written was Hebrew, New Testament, and Greek. And so sometimes we go to words and what they mean in the original language, and it just brings out more meaning. And I think that is the case here, okay? So honor. In the Old Testament, here in Exodus 20, specifically, what does it mean? It's a word that means to weigh heavily upon or to be weighty. Now, in the New Testament, when Jesus uses it, the word means to ascribe worth to someone or to attribute high status to someone. Now you see, those are both really saying the same thing, that the word honor means to ascribe weight or worth to someone, that that's what it means. Now though the word honor doesn't appear in the first four commandments, it's it's all about honor. Because the first four commandments are about honoring God. So you take the first commandment. What's it saying? Don't elevate right, idols or false gods. Don't ascribe so much weight and worth to them that you elevate them above God. Second commandment, 
right? Don't make images. In other words, don't construct gods, whether it's power or comfort or a relationship. Don't make a god and ascribe so much weight and worth to it that it demands your life and it demands your worship. Third commandment, right? Ascribe weight and worth to the name of God. And then fourth commandment, ascribe so much weight and worth to God that it would cause you to set one day apart in seven. The first four commandments are about honoring God. And then we arrive at this shift in the Ten Commandments from the first four that are about loving God to the last six that are about loving others. And what we see is that God starts the commandments with honoring God, and then His first command that's going to start this section of loving others is honor one another. Give weight, place worth, ascribe worth to one another. Now the question is why? Right? Why does God call us to honor, to ascribe worth and weight to one another? The answer is because everyone is made in the image of God. The image of God is weighty. It's heavy. It's of worth. And that's why God says, honor one another. So when you honor someone, you honor the image of God in them. When you dishonor someone, you dishonor the image of God in them. Now, how broad is this command to honor? It says, honor your father and your mother. We're going to see it's that, but it's bigger. In fact, let me just tell you how big this command is to honor. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says this, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And 1 Peter is in the context of that letter, it's dealing with suffering and evil. So the command here is to honor everyone even when someone is unjust or when someone is acting evil. Romans chapter 12 Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Again, in Romans 12 here, the context is evil. When you're suffering, when somebody's acting unjustly. And so we see this command to honor everyone, not just those who deserve it. Now that's when it gets hard. You say, Keith, I can honor someone who honors me. I can honor someone who respects me. I can honor someone who deserves it. But what about the person who doesn't deserve it? Here's the problem. I want you to think about the most evil person that you can think of. Whoever that is for you. In history, today, the most evil person that comes to mind, that person bears the image of God. Although it's shattered, and maybe even shattered to the point of barely recognizable, they bear the image of God. Now, I want you to think of the most loving, benevolent, charitable, kind person that you know. That person bears the image of God, and you say, yes, they're broken, but the image of God is much more recognizable. God calls us to honor everyone. You and I don't get to decide who is deserving of our honor because we don't get to decide who is made in the image of God. See, that's the issue at hand. 
We can't pick and choose based on how somebody deserves it because we don't pick and choose on who's made in the image of God. Everyone's in the image of God. Everybody has a, is a shattered image of God to varying degrees. And so God says, you give honor to my image. It's weighty and it's of worth. Now, who and how are you to honor? So we'll move from what is honor to who you're to honor and how you're to do it. In other words, what form does honor take on in the various relationships that would fall under the fifth commandment of father and mother? And we're going to look at three relationships of honor this morning. One is young parents or young children with parents. The second is older children with aging parents. And then the last is going to be believers within the family of God. So let's start with young children. What is God's command or, or what does the, the uh, honor look like from young children who are in the house under the authority of their parents to their parents? In other words, how are children to honor their mother and father? I turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It should be printed out there for you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then Paul goes on to quote the fifth commandment out of Exodus and Deuteronomy. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so the, the form of honor when it comes to children, young children, or children in the house with their parents is obedience. That that's the form that honor takes, is obedience from a child to his parents. Colossians chapter three says it this way, children obey your parents in the Lord for this pleases the Lord. What God is saying there is to children in the room that are still in the home, okay, that when you obey your parents, you honor them, you honor the image of God in them and you honor God and you please God. It puts a smile on his face. Now, let me speak to children for a second. When you don't obey your parents, when it takes them five or six times to get you to do something, maybe 10 times, what I want you to realize in those moments, and I'm also speaking to a lot of children who aren't in the room right now, who are in children's worship. But what I want you to hear is this, that when, you're, when you disobey your parents, you're violating the fifth commandment, but you... Before you violate the fifth commandment, you violated the first commandment. Because something has so captured your attention, so grabbed your attention that you can't get free from it, even with mom and dad saying five, six, seven times to do something. And what's happened is that thing, whether it's on a device or on a TV or on the phone with someone that you really like, whatever it may be, that that has risen to God-like status. And in that moment, you are worshiping that thing. And once that's happened, you have no chance of obeying the fifth commandment. So I want you to see what's behind the disobedience. Okay, now parents, let me address you in this first relationship or of honor. First Peter. Romans 12 says we're to honor everyone, which means parents, you have a role to honor your kids. This isn't just one way. That you have a responsibility to honor your children. You say, how do I do that? Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So parents, how do you honor your children? You don't provoke them to anger or to discouragement. You say, well, how do I provoke my kids? Now, to answer this, right, we're going to dig a little bit. To really be able to answer that question, how do, I, how do I provoke my children, you have to discern your heart motive when you're calling for their obedience. I'll give you a few examples. If you are worshiping your home in an idolatrous way as a as a banquet hall, as a shrine, then you are going to provoke your children to frustration and discouragement when you ask them basically to not be children in the home, to never touch anything, to not use this or that, to not scratch that, to not ruin that furniture, that table. If you're worshiping your home in that way, then you will provoke your children to discouragement and frustration. I'll give you another example. Now, if you are watching in an idolatrous way, a football game or a baseball game, you are going to provoke your children to, to frustration and discouragement when you either lash out in anger, you dismiss them, tell them to get out of the room, go play out in the backyard, just get away from me because you're interrupting my worship service. Right? I cannot get free from this game. That's going to provoke your children. That's not honoring your children. So what I want you to see, parents, is that you have a responsibility here too, and before you ever dishonor your children, you break the first commandment. Because just like your child, something has gotten your attention that you can't break away from. And so you've dishonored your child, but that thing or that person has become in that moment has risen to God-like status. And you have elevated, you've ascribed weight and worth to that that raises it above God. So let's move on to our next relationship of honor. And the second one is grown children with aging parents, right? You're always a child. You're always a child, right? Because you always have parents, at least to some point. Right? What form does honor take in a a grown child to an aging parent. What form does it take? Well, clearly not obedience. Because once you leave the house, and certainly when you get married and leave and cleave, you don't obey your parents anymore. It shifts. The command is the same. You're to honor, but honor takes on a different form. And for aging parents, from children to aging parents, it takes on the form of gratitude which calls for specific and concrete acts of thanksgiving, which include financial and emotional support. Now you say, where are you getting that from? Jesus addresses it. In Mark chapter seven, Jesus addresses this as he's speaking to the Pharisees. Mark seven, nine through 13, listen to what he says. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother, 
Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. Now, what's going on here? This is describing a tradition that was brought about at that time that went something like this. By making a pledge to give money to the temple, you no longer had to support your parents financially. You could declare Corbin and say, this money that I was going to spend on my parents, I am now spending in the temple for much higher purposes for God. And you say, that's a dumb tradition. And it is. Now, but before you get too judgmental, let me explain what happens here and what, what caused this to happen. Aging parent, and some of you may experience this now, aging parent, out of money, demanding financial support and emotional support of time. And so what they came up with was this little religious game that would get them out of having to do that. It was a hypocritical religious game. And so they could say, hey, this money, sorry, this money's going to the temple. Wow, doesn't that look great? And it was a religious game. And Jesus saw right through it and he condemned it because it was a religious game that was ultimately justifying selfishness. And so Jesus said, no, you're, you're, you're not honoring the fifth commandment. Paul, Apostle Paul speaks to this directly in 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 8. When he says this, honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. And then down to verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The way that grown children honor their parents is by gratitude, concrete acts of thanksgiving that involve emotional and financial support. This goes back to the weightiness of the image. Your parents, if they're aging, bear the image of God. And therefore, you honor them, you honor the image of God. You say, Keith, that's great, but what if my parents get ornery and unappreciative and even mildly abusive with their words? I'm still, still supposed to honor them when they don't even want my care, when they spit in my face and say, well, I don't want it? Do you remember being a toddler? <laughs> Does that sound very similar? You see, they, they cared for you when you were unappreciative in those toddler years, when you couldn't care for yourself. That's what we're getting at. When you couldn't care for yourself, your parents cared for you. And at some point that turns around. When your parents can't care for themselves, you turn around and give that care to them. That that's what it means to honor your parents. The bottom line, you honor the image of God in them. When it, and this happens often when mental illness kicks in and, and they get ornery, unappreciative, and it's sad and it's heartbreaking. But when that happens, 
you look at them and they, are, they bear the image of God and you say, I will honor my parents. Even though their actions don't seem to deserve it, I'm gonna honor them. Emotionally, financially, because that's what God calls me to do. Why? Because the image of God is in them and they bear the image of, of God. So let's move on to the third relationship of honor. And this is believers in the family of God. The fifth commandment speaks about father and mother. The question is, does that just mean your nuclear family or your biological family? The answer is yes and more because Jesus redefines family in the New Testament. He redefines it in actually Mark chapter 10, verses 29 to 30. He says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Now, what this doesn't mean is that you can leave your mother and father and serve the Lord and serve the gospel, right? We just found out that that's a, that's a religious game. That's not what Jesus is describing here, right? That this is a way, this is an out. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve the purposes of the gospel and leave my parents behind. Jesus says, no, that's not what this means. What this does mean is that when someone chooses to follow Christ, that sometimes that means they get rejected by their biological family. They get disowned, they get rejected, they get cast out, and Jesus says, you may have in some ways functionally lost your blood family, but you're gaining a bigger family. You're gaining brothers and sisters in Christ, mothers and fathers in Christ. And so honor here is bigger than just the nuclear family. Honor here is referring to the family of God, the people of God, that there's to be honor in the family. Now the question is, what form does honor take in the broader family of God? We've looked at obedience being one form, gratitude being a, a form of honor. Both of those can apply, but I, I think that the majority or the priority form of honor in the broader family of God is respect. What is one of the things that quickly communicates disrespect in the family of God? It's your words. It's gossip and slander. We just finished up a discovery class, and we talked about the vows that new members take, and one of them is to avoid gossip and slander, that gossip and slander, right, words from the mouth, tear down and they don't build up. They tear down a person, and therefore the image of God, which is why God takes gossip and slander so seriously. We're talking again about the image of God in someone. Shattered, yes, but it's weighty. And gossip and slander tears down and doesn't build up. And so honor within the family respect with your words is about building up someone. And I think the word picture here is, is scaffolding. And you know what that is, when there is scaffolding around a building that's being constructed. Right? Honor and respect for one another is like the scaffolding that you build around their life. 
through which the Holy Spirit does his work of transformation and of building up. And so honor in the family of God takes on that form of respect. Let's move to our last question. So what is honor? We've looked at that. Who and, and how do you honor? And the last one is, what is the result of honor? What's the result of it? Look at verse 12 in Exodus 20. There's a command, honor your father and mother, and then there's a promise, right, or a result of that. It says that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Deuteronomy 5 says it this way, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, interesting, when we look at this promise attached to the fifth commandment, we typically focus in on what? That it may go well with you. And that's appropriate. We're going to talk about that. But what about that last phrase? In the land the Lord your God is giving you. You see, that's, that's a picture of a gracious God that is giving. In this context, he was speaking of the promised land that God was going to graciously give to his children and his people. That in the context of it, it may go well with you is the grace of God being poured out. We see it in, uh, in Ephesians. Six, children, obey, the parent, obey your parents. It's not just period, obey your parents. In Ephesians 6, it's children, obey your parents in the Lord. So there's, there's something here about the Lord, right, pouring himself out, graciously giving that is at the foundation of what the result of honor is. You see, Jesus Christ was the only person and will be the only person who perfectly obeys the fifth commandment. He's the only one that perfectly honored his father. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane when he was tempted to not go to the cross because of what he knew it was going to be. Physical, spiritual pain, separation, all that he knew was coming. And when he was tempted not to go, right, sweating drops of blood, what did he say? Not my will, but Father, your will be done. Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus was obedient, obeyed his Father even to the point of death, was willing to give up his life in order to obey his father. And then we learn after he rose from the dead in Romans chapter uh, 8, when he rises from the dead, that it says he is the firstborn among many brothers. And so what we learn is that Jesus perfectly honors the fifth commandment, and the reason why is because God's creating a family. With Jesus as your older brother, with God as your father, he's creating a family, and he calls for honor within the family. And so what does it mean that it, it will go well with you? It means this, honor, which takes the form of obedience and gratitude and respect, that honor for God, for your father and mother, for the broader family of God, through the power of Jesus, produces gospel blessing. That it may go well with you. Peace, freedom, 
joy, that all of that comes, not chaos and disorder, but freedom, peace, and joy, gospel, shalom, peace, that full orb word. Ed Clowney, he describes freedom this way, and as he's describing freedom, he's describing gospel peace, ultimately. Listen to what he says. True freedom is not that shown by the man possessed by a legion of devils in Mark chapter 5. So if you remember that story in Mark 5, there's this man, he's possessed by a legion of devils. He was free, free of home responsibilities. He did not have to care for a wife or children. He could leave them and do his own thing. He resented the confinement of clothing. He took it all off. He could live where he wanted, so he lived in the caves and howled all night. He disliked people. When they came through his haunts, he beat them up. When he was seized and changed, he had the strength to rip off the bonds and break the chains. Young people who resent the restraints of life at home need to reflect on the total freedom that Satan offers. The freedom of the demoniac was total bondage to a legion of devils. Satan is a destroyer, not a creator. Story goes on. Jesus heals that demoniac. He heals the man. And people are astonished because, quote, he was clothed and in his right mind. That he was experiencing gospel peace and gospel shalom. You see, Jesus honored his father perfectly so that you could be healed and so that you, through his power, could honor one another, honor your father, your mother, and experience the blessing that results, the joy, the freedom, the peace, the gospel peace that is afforded. Now, what about the land? What does that mean in the fifth commandment? That it may, may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Clearly, uh, in Exodus 20, this is referring to the promised land. That's the direct point that's being made, the promised land. But again, Jesus redefines lands in Mark chapter 10, the passage that we just read, when he says, there's no one who has left house or brothers, sisters, mother, right, for the sake of me and my gospel, who will not receive, and then here's the, here's the, the blessing of honoring Christ. Now, here's the promise, the blessing, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. That's a lot. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in the age to come, eternal life. Now, let me just explain how Jesus is redefining things here and how he's not. He adds with persecutions because he knows the human heart. And that verse can get read. And you say, wow, if I follow Christ, I'm going to get a hundred acre ranch in the mountains and I'm going to get a big old house on the beach. Jesus says, no, no, I, I know the human heart. That's why I added with persecutions. This isn't about health and wealth promise. So what does he mean? Brothers, sisters, houses is referring to the extended family of God. That when you honor Christ and you follow Christ and you're a proclaimer of that message that you will see people being added to the family of God. And then the lands, what's that referring to? When Jesus says you'll get lands, he's referring there to the kingdom He's referring to nations. He's referring to 
all peoples, he's referring to the entire earth, that when you honor Christ and you're honoring one another and there's honor in the family of God, that the gospel peace begins to spread across the land. That people see a peace and a shalom and a joy and a freedom that this world can't offer. And they see that and the gospel reign starts to spread. Not just in a land in the Middle East, although there needs to be peace there, but around the entire globe, the entire earth. That that is the reward for keeping the fifth commandment. That when you honor, when there's honor in the family, if you're a young child, when you obey your parents, that's your way of saying, I'm gonna honor you in the image of God. Grown children who have aging parents, no matter how ornery they get and unappreciative they get, when you say, I'm going to honor you with gratitude and specific acts of thanksgiving with my finances and my emotional support and my time, you honor them. And within the family of God, when, when honor takes the form of respect and instead of gossip and slander that tears down, we look for opportunities to build one another up to put the scaffolding around people so the Spirit can do His work. When all of that's happening, God says, it will go well with you. The gospel peace will spread across this town, this city, your neighborhood, and this world. Let's pray.